Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Part of becoming human is learning to have compassion for those who are suffering. Even when they're your bitter enemies. Hello, thank you for joining us on the Janeway, Hollow Sweet Media Star Trek Voyager podcast. I'm Suzanne Williamson, and with me is Liam Smart. Before we get started with the episode today, why not give us a follow on Twitter at the Jane underscore way, and also join our Facebook community for our listeners called The Nexus, where you can discuss this episode and episodes of all of our other new shows we have on Hollow Sweet Media, including the new episodes of What the Future Holds, our Star Trek Discovery podcast. Yeah, because by the time this episode airs, Discovery Season 3 would have started. Yes. How exciting. And we get to see whether our Omega Directive theory that was totally stolen from the internet <laughs> comes true. <laughs> Yes. It probably won't, but you watch. It will. We're always right. Oh, I mean, we wrote Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Yeah, that is a little-known secret. Yeah. I mean, We just use pseudonyms, that's all. I'm Kirsten Beyer. I'm Alex Kurtzman. (laughs) I've punched me some TVs, apparently. Yeah. That's why my whole head... No, let's just, let's just not go there. Yes. <laughs> so what are we doing today? Today, instead of going through an episode and looking at our intrepid captain's questionable decisions, we're going to look at a character. And I believe Siri told us last time that it's going to be Bolana Torres. Oh, thankful, Siri. Well done. Did you leave all of that in the last episode? Yes, I did. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, Siri told us, Balana, Siri clearly likes half-human, half-Klingon females. Actually, do you know who I think would make a really good Siri? Who? Brandy. Yes, she would. I feel like I've already spoken about this. Why am I getting deja vu? Because there's a glitch in the Matrix. Whatever. Yeah, so a little quick overview of Balana before we start getting into things about her. Uh, she's obviously a half-human, half-Klingon female, played by Roxanne <laughs> Dawson, um, who I found out was actually like in her 30s, playing a 25-year-old. So that's she was a lot older than I thought she was, but that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Balana's father was human, and her mother was the Klingon, uh, called Morale. They lived on a planet or a colony called Kessick 4, but they were apparently the only Klingons there. So, like, she totally felt completely different to every other human there because I believe it was just a plain human colony from memory. Uh, But then Mm -hmm. 
after her dad did the dick move and left, they lived on. <laughs> what a dick move! They left. They lived on Kronos yes. for a while, like her and Morale, and before going into the academy. But then she quit Starfleet Academy in her second year because if she kind of felt like everyone was out to get her, getting into mm-hmm. trouble with academics, even though she actually wasn't in trouble. They were just pushing her, which I totally know the feeling. And then she joined the Marquis, which kind of suits what we know about her, I guess. Until mm-hmm. she was chased by Gullivec on the Val, whilst on the Valjean, and whisked away to the Delta Quadrant. And then we have seven years of her to watch. And now grow. I have a question: with her sure. being a Klingon human hybrid, my memory is telling me that we've only seen one other Klingon human hybrid. Is that correct? Kalar. That's the only one I can think of. Mm. Who's Kalar? Kalar on Next Generation, who was hooked up was, with Worf. Was she half? And they had Alexander. Was that, was that really? Paid, played by Susie Plaxon. What did you call it? Was who was also the female Q? I didn't realize she was half Klingon. Fancy mm-hmm. that. I mean, not half Klingon. Of course I knew she was half Klingon. <laughs> 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 Fucking forehead ridges give it away. <laughs> no, I didn't realise she was half human, but then she again, TNG so well. is... <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you? In this current day and age? Oh, you were on Earth. Oh, how were the 2020s? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I didn't realise that she was, yeah, half human. But then again, as I said, TNG is not necessarily my favourite series. I've, I've only watched those episodes once because I'm not. I'm more of a Voyager boy and a Deep Space Nine boy. But yeah, Fair I can't enough. think of any other hybrids. I mean, I'm sure we've seen some. And along those lines, I would have really have liked to have seen a full Klingon female instead of half human, half Klingon. So you'd have preferred Bellano to be full Klingon? I think it would have been interesting to delve into that character because the only Klingon females that I can recall seeing are the Duras sisters, and they're just, ugh. Well, they just make out the Klingon females to be like horny sex monsters in most yeah, of those years. Yeah, they're a stereotype. Yeah, and I wouldn't have wanted to say that because you know 100% it would have been boobs out all the way, you know, which, but maybe they could have shown a different facet to a Klingon female besides just that. Do you really reckon they would have, though? I mean, <laughs> I like. I mean, to I think suppose they, they did. As it, as it Burr was um, a decent Klingon. I don't yeah. think As it Burr in was what, what what was it Undiscovered Country? I don't think she was like boobs out for the boys. Because I'm fairly sure that's all they would have done with the thing. Because, you know, they brought Jerry Ryan on for that particular purpose. Yeah. So, whilst I agree, I think if it were now, like if they had Mm -hmm. a series made now, they could have a full Klingon character. Fuck off, Siri! (laughs) I think (laughs) that's staying in. Um. I feel like if it were now, yeah, they would have had they can have a full Klingon character if they were remaking Voyager mm-hmm. now because they would have we've had Lorel, we've had uh, Denas in Discovery as well, yeah. like actual like, well-rounded yeah. female characters. But I don't think they would have been able to do that well in the nineties, just knowing what we've seen from them. Yeah, 
It would have been nice, It would have been nice, 100%. I agree with you entirely. I know that uh, they wanted to make Balana's character more Klingon-looking. So, like, mm-hmm. she was supposed to wear a nose and, like, the and teeth, etc. Yeah. But I think Roxanne Dawson was like, can you make me pretty? Yeah, she wanted less monster makeup. Which I think probably worked better, not having a in-film Klingon makeup, because then you'd expect her to be, like, more Klingon. Mm-hmm. As opposed to having a Klingon side to her that you don't see that often because she's trying to hold it back. You don't expect it. You, all you've got is the ridges and the eyebrows. Yeah. And that's the way I look at it. Sorry to poo-poo on your idea there. I didn't. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so let's talk about Balana's youth. So we yes. know mostly from, like, lineage that mm-hmm. she was bullied as a kid from looking different. Like, obviously, the forehead ridges. Turtle head. Turtle head. Exactly. That that kid that she basically almost killed when she was younger. Yeah. She, she yeah, was totally different. And I, and I get that. Mm-hmm. Because kids are assholes. Yes. Yes, they are. Very much so. And I don't understand why kids are assholes. Like, well, a lot of times it's because their parents are assholes. I mean, I guess. I mean, it's, it, it, it is that goes back to nurture nature thing. Are you do you learn to be an asshole? And after, oh my god, I was going to say something terrible. Um, <laughs> um, you, <laughs> as in, you learn how to be an asshole, but yeah, you're not born an asshole. You're born a blank slate, I guess. So, I mean, yeah, so she was she was bullied. Her father didn't help as well. But, I mean, if her father, her father knew that he was getting into bed with a Klingon and having a kid with a Klingon, he'd surely know what the nature of a Klingon is like. Because, again, we see... You would think. You, well, you would, you would hope so, wouldn't you? <laughs> but, like, her father, when they were camping, how she overheard her father talking to her uncle about, you know, living with two moody Klingons. Mm-hmm. How damaging would that be for a child to be like, I just don't know how I can handle being with two female Klingons. It's like, well, you fucked a Klingon. You wanted a Klingon kid. Yeah. It's like, well, what do you expect? You're in it for the long haul. And then no, he just upped and left when she when she was like five or six. She was 12. She was 12. Oh, God. Why did I he think she was five? She was I thought she was five. Oh, maybe that's because, because that's she, was she was. Going, she was going towards her teenage years, which would make it even worse. Oh, uh, yeah, as long as that makes more sense. Like, yeah. God, Klingon puberty would be insane. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> she, Balana decided that pretty much he left because she was Klingon. And, I mean, after hearing that kind of mm-hmm. stuff on a camping trip, you wouldn't think any reason otherwise. Yeah. You'd always blame yourself for being a Klingon. And she already wasn't happy with herself being a Klingon as it was at that age. Yeah, because no one accepted her. Humans didn't accept her. Klingons didn't accept her. Mm. She was stuck in the middle. And I think at that time when she was born and as a kid, things between the Empire weren't exactly... Oh, sorry. Things between the Empire and the Federation weren't exactly strong. I mean, mm-hmm. they never really are, are they? Let's face it, it's always like a fake, like a veil over the relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, then, as I've already said, Morel moved her to Kronos after this, where she obviously still didn't feel like she fit in because then she was no longer full Klingon either. She always had that mm-hmm. human side to her, which I suppose, like, when you when you think about it, like, it's heartbreaking to see uh, 
Balana wanting to change her baby's features, like baby Morale's features in Lineage. So oh, that yeah. she's not so Morale doesn't go through the same things as she did because obviously she's gonna have some form of cranial ridge. Yeah, that just wanting to change her child's DNA that I had a hard time watching that episode when I was pregnant. Oh, you're you're almost on the cry stage now. No, I can't breathe. <laughs> I'm having a hard time breathing. Oh no! And talking. You, is it? Are you allergic to cats? Oh yeah, but th- no, this is just my sinus infection. It's just. Oh okay. Yeah. But I mean, I kind of get it as well, though. Like <laughs> when, like, if you had a, ch- if I had a choice and I had a kid, I wouldn't choose them to grow up as like a raging homo like myself. Because you don't choose to be like that Mm -hmm. and you don't choose the abuse and the hate that comes along with it. So, I mean, I totally, I mean, it's not, it's, it's obviously not meant to go down that path when you're watching the episode. It's more like mixed culture, et cetera. But Mm -hmm. from my point of view, I can link it to that kind of thing. Yeah. So she could change that to stop her child from potentially even going through some of the things that she went through. I, I sort of understand her point of view. But then you're changing who your child is meant to be. And you don't know how strong their struggles are going to make them. And how they're going to change the world. It's kind of like wanting them to grow up as a rich white kid. Yeah. From, from like <laughs> private school education, you know. I suppose, and like when you when you do think about it, some of the crap that you go through does make you a stronger person. Mm-hmm. And yeah, some of the things that I've gone through, I would never want to go through again. But at the same time, they changed me and probably changed me for the better. So, I mean, whilst I get the idea, I don't think I could ever do that to myself to a child. The best of intentions aren't always the best thing to do, though. No, they're not. And, uh, yeah. So we know that when she was at the academy, she didn't like it and she's mm-hmm. an academy dropout, which every time I think of dropout, I start singing beauty school dropout or whatever it's called. Go back to high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love Frankie Avalon. Maybe. Is that the character name? No, that's the singer. Oh, okay. Well, maybe Belana Torres can be Frankie Avalon. (laughs) Now, my question is, weren't there other things that she could have pursued? (laughs) As opposed to going straight into a rebellion? You don't, well, you don't have to go to the academy. There are other things. Hmm. Starfleet is not the be all end all. She could have been a mechanic that wasn't in Starfleet or an engineer. Yeah. It's like something in a private sector, something, anywhere. You don't have to go to Starfleet Academy. Do you reckon she could have, she could have probably worked at the Utopia Planitia shipyards and not be part of Starfleet? Yeah. Something, I just I just didn't quite understand that. It's like, why, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Maybe it's one of those things that, like, you're expected to go to the Academy. And if you don't, you're a screw-up. Or- but other... Other people have to do other jobs. There are restaurants, there are shops, there are so many other different... I can't even think. 
because I don't remember there being any actual relationship. Because she did she she left the academy to join the Marquis, right? I don't know that she left to join the Marquis. She dropped out and then she found the Marquis. The only way I could think of her finding the Marquis is if she lived on one of those outlying colonies. Then that would make sense. Yeah. But I don't think that's how she joined the Marquis. She joined the Marquis in 2370. She dropped out in 2368. So that's two years she's bouncing around doing stuff. Yeah, so I mean, there's no real... There's no real time of when she actually joined or reason why she joined the Marquis. So let's just headcanon it into saying that she moved to one of the outlying colonies. Yeah. Or she just found a relationship. She found Chakotay. And she was attracted by his leathers. Well, it there was a point in time where she was attracted to Chakotay. I mean, you who wouldn't be? Young Chakotay was probably <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't understand what people are. That makes no sense to me at all. <laughs> Here is Robert Beltran. Suzanne will still go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the, oh, yeah, I don't know why she would have joined the Academy. I'm just going to headcanon it and say that she was in the outlying colonies. Makes sense. Yeah. When, when she was at the Academy, though, like, it turned out that and we found this out in Caretaker, that she was actually liked by her professors. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I think I mentioned this before on, on when we did the Caretaker episode, that I had a pretty much a similar experience with one of my teachers in high school. They pushed me really mm-hmm. hard, even though, because they knew I'd be lazy, for example. Whereas she would be asking annoying questions, which, do you know what, made perfect sense. And while some people don't like having the questions thrown at them to don't want questions thrown at them, otherwise they might look silly, like lecturer-wise, this lecturer obviously appreciated the questions behind the scenes and thought she was like a really, really intelligent and great student. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we don't see her much in the marquee at all. We don't fully know what happens. Obviously, Seska's around and Chakotay's around and she ends up on the Valjean, but we only know a few things like about the dreadnought missiles, etc. Mm-hmm. What we do see of the marquee relationship she has comes from extreme risk. Yes. And how basically the doctor diagnoses her with clinical depression pretty much after finding out that all of her colleagues, can you call like the rebellion people colleagues? I don't know, I want to call them colleagues. I would think so. Hmm. So all of her colleagues in the Marquis Rebellion, you know, the accountant and the cleaners. (laughs) The receptionist. The Marquis receptionist died. (laughs) (laughs) Her name was Marge. (laughs) Marge, the Marquis receptionist. (laughs) Poor Marge. She'll be missed. She will be missed. She was a fine receptionist. Yes. She knew how to handle a phaser. (laughs) 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 Oh, dear. We're terrible people. So, yeah. So, she found out Marge and Barney from accounting died and she made a recreation of it. 
Stop laughing. I'm trying to be serious. <laughs> Created a battle where she pretty much watched her friends die over and over and over, but had the safety protocols off, almost like she was wanting to die along with them. Yeah, that that was very, very hard to watch. It was a very well done episode, and I haven't seen it for a long time, and I kind of want to go back to watch it. But doing a lot of things in the holodeck with the protocols off. Like, Tom had no yeah. idea, and she pretty much Belana tells Ducote that it's the only way that she can deal with the trauma that of losing all her friends without being there, without being able to say goodbye, and it's the only way that she feels something, which I guess happens a lot in depression cases. But she could have turned to therapy. Yeah, but do you, Not this. But do you think people know that therapy would be good for them, even if they are diagnosed clinically depressed? Like, you, if you can't feel something and you found a way to feel something, that's what they would cling on to. I can't claim to know because I haven't really been diagnosed as such or having ever felt that way. Well, I have, and I've gone through therapy and antidepressants. I understand why some people do it. It just never crossed my mind to take the risk and hurt myself to feel something. I mean, everyone will have different, I wouldn't say stages, but reactions to mm-hmm. that. And everyone's realness. brain chemistry is different how they're going to deal with things. Yeah, yeah. And because she's very much a hothead in her own right, mm-hmm. it could make sense that this is the avenue that she would go down. Yeah. Should we hop back to Mama Morale? for a sec. Yes. And talk yes, about the episode in which Balana is in for Barge of the Dead. Ah, yes, Barge of the Dead. That's a great shows a great relationship between Balana and Mama Morale. But also almost is like a I wouldn't say a hundred percent acceptance, but a long way towards the acceptance arc that Balana has with being a Klingon. Mm-hmm. Because wasn't it was an accident, wasn't it, that occurred to put Balana into a coma. And then she saw morale on the barge of the dead on the way to Grethel. Which was apparently due to Balana's dishonour. Yes, because she rejected her Klingon ways. Mm. So they've both been doomed because of that. And the morale says to Balana that she doesn't know what it means to be Klingon, which is, you know, kind of true because she's always trying to hide her Klingon side. Balana helps her mother, gets Mama Morale to Stovacore, and then Balana ends up in Grethel, which is basically just Voyager. Um, but she <laughs> sort of eventually <laughs> accepts her Klingon side, and I say accepts with, like, air quotes because we still know that mm-hmm. you it will be too difficult to be able to accept a side if you've instantaneously for after hating it for so long yeah because we saw her rejecting the day of honor earlier yeah yeah which in, was in, uh what season, season earlier oh yes only season four isn't it yeah so you know yeah. two years earlier exactly like she doesn't want to go through any of that stuff so to be able to you know battle tuvok with a Batleth and realized that surrendering is the right option or something i, I might be remembering <laughs> some of barge of the dead incorrectly Sort of shows, but it also helps with the whole um, Klingon afterlife stuff, like believing in it in a way mm-hmm. with the whole Stovacore yeah. and Grethel thing, which I'm also, side note, I'm proud that I wrote some of my notes down and I knew how to spell Stovacore and Grethel and Kronos whilst knowing where to put the capital letters and knowing where to put the... That is cool. 
unnecessary apostrophes in. I'm like, I am such a bloody nerd. Yeah, because I would get Grethor totally wrong. Totes nerds. But Stovacor, I know. I know Stovacor. Yeah, so, I mean, that episode is like an almost coming together of Balana understanding what it is like to be a Klingon and it's sort of accepting, in a way, the Klingon side of her. But we see that all the way at the beginning of season one as well, though, with faces. Mm-hmm, yeah. Which is another fantastic episode. That was so good. I can't wait till we get to that one. Yeah, so with, like, with Faces, where she gets ripped apart and is effectively two people and actually has to talk to her Klingon self as a human self and realising that both parts of her make her who she is, not just one part. Like, two parts make yeah. her whole. That's, that's not the right saying. Both parts are equally necessary. Yeah, to be able to make her as a person, to be able to survive. And again, that's one of the most eye-opening episodes. And that's... She got a lot of praise, I think, from uh, mixed race communities for that episode. Mm-hmm. So before we get on to the most obvious thing, and that's a Tom and a BLT sandwich. I mean, there's a lot of crappy episodes of Balana as well. Dreadnought and Warhead being one of them. Uh, to me, those just sort of like blended. It could have been the same episode. Yeah, exactly. And they're only like three episodes apart as well. Something stupid. Yeah. I, cause, uh, yeah. Your brain, your brain's gone, isn't it? It is. It, it just went. Pfft, I'm mm-hmm. here. That's all right. So, Tom and Balana. I mean, that's the most obvious main thing that happens to Balana across the whole. Yes. Seven seasons of Voyager, and I and I totally maintain it's like one of the most re- realistic relationships shown on TV in Star Trek. Like you have Worf and Dax, which is like really weird you got neelix and Kess, which is like a super weird but that's yes exactly and then we have who else is there in star trek oh molly not molly molly's a kid keiko and miles <laughs> molly and her teddy bear <laughs> but i mean it, it is it is probably like miles's is quite realistic but this one here yeah. they complement each other they tone each other down they argue a lot, mm-hmm. but also get by and know what each other want and need. <laughs> just like your, your face is like, I just don't know what to say. I'm, I'm nodding my head in agreement. Yes. Yes, all of those things. Yes. So the, fir- the first sort of thing that occurs between Tom and Bolana from memory is the things that occur in Blood Fever. My notes say first sexy, sexy stuff, which I'm fairly sure is like the most childish thing I've written all, all week. The first stuff tends to happen in Blood Fever where, you know, Bolana's caught upon <laughs> far off of Vorik. And I'm sorry, I st- such a dumb concept. But Well, no, the first thing that happened was in The Swarm. Elaborate. Um, because is this an episode? Because I don't remember it. Yes, the swarm. What one is this? (laughs) He Paris asked her out on a date in the holodeck. What? What? And she turned him down. Huh? When was the swarm? What? What season? Isn't it like one? Oh, that it? No. Two. Oh, three. 
three, episode four. Okay. I did not even remember this episode existed. Oh, I love this episode. It has some good lines in it. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I have no idea. I can't even remember that episode. If some episodes of Voyager, I'm like, yeah, whatever. And I think that's one of them. Yeah, I I have episodes like that. I'll take your word for him asking Balana out. So it's the second time in Blood Fever where things occur. But that also goes to say with Tom, or should I say, it goes to show with Tom that Mm -hmm. he's grown because I think season one Tom would have been like, yeah, baby, let me have all of that. Or it would be more like, yes, ma'am. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. And that's well, the first thing. Well, he had to grow up. Well, he did have to grow up. And then, yeah, so Blana's, Blana was effectively... Did they bone in the end? They, did, they didn't, did they? In the end of what? Blood fever. No, she fights for it. Yeah, so like he resisted his urge and then Blana's was sort of safe, I guess. If, if you want to call it safe, I don't know, after fighting Vorik. The whole idea of it, it shows like a relationship starting. And then obviously things start getting better in Day of Honor at the end, where obviously yes. Blana's still not liking all of that stuff, but like the Klingon stuff, but the relationship between the two of them grows because of their near-death experience. Well, then she admits that she loves him. Which would have been hard for Blana because she's very independent. Yeah. Of course, Oblivion sees the wedding, even though it's like a fake oh, wedding. Oh, but you're skipping over scientific method. Oh, what happened in that? I'm just, from, getting- I'm just reading from my notes. They're getting it on everywhere. All throughout the ship, they're getting it on. Oh, sorry. My mature mind, (laughs) because listeners would know, I am 100% mature, not dirty. I'm very naive. (sighs) Are your pants on fire yet? I'm not wearing any pants. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so yes, okay, they bone around the ship, and I bet Neelix is probably like recording them as well because we know what Neelix is like. Ew, ew, <laughs> displaying it around for everyone to see. Um, <laughs> and then, okay, then can we get to course oblivion with the fake wedding? Yes, 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 you can. Now, with a relationship about how much they argue, it is very funny when Seven says. Uh, Given the volatile nature of their relationship, one might have predicted homicide instead of matrimony, which is fair enough. But in Course Oblivion, that isn't even our Tom and Bolana. Doesn't matter. They basically aren't the same people. It, it's it's goo. Yeah. Goo Tom. Goo Bolana. So, I mean, something happened differently in their relationship to prompt the wedding sooner than real Tom and real Bolana do. Yeah, with a hundred percent argue all the time anyway, so one can predict homicide instead of <laughs> What's the next episode you want to bring up? Um, I guess the one where they really get married, which, which would be is, drive. Aha, uh-huh, that was the next one on my list. Which I thought was really cool. Because Drive is one of my favourite episodes. I had no idea. Oh yeah, right, of course you'd know. <laughs> nice sarcasm. <laughs> so that, and it's also cool to see that um, Bolana's wanting to take an interest in Tom's interests. That kind of leaves Harry out in the cold, though. Oh, fuck Harry. <laughs> no one would. I don't know, I probably would. <laughs> Hear me, Garrett Wong? Uh, <laughs> 25-year-old oh you, goodness. yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forgot what I was going to say about Drive. Yeah, I think the whole relationship between Tom and Bolana can just be summed up as a realistic view of what it actually is to be in a relationship. 
because she comes home at night. He's plopped in front of the TV watching cartoons. Is that what Timothy does? <laughs> well, now that he doesn't go into work anymore, he's always he's always here. <laughs> well, I've, I've I work from home now. I don't know what the fuck your cat's doing. That's <laughs> what, what 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 the hell is it doing? I don't know. Listen, her cat is doing weird things behind Suzanne. It's on the windowsill. <laughs> And it's trying to climb up the window, but it's pitch black outside. So there's, I don't know how it can see anything out there, but it's like full on stretching. And now it's sitting, skipping, <laughs> licking. Oh, now it's licking itself. Okay. Back, back to, back to, <laughs> it's a good relationship. It's a good, healthy relationship, I think as well, to be able to have the arguments. In terms of Balana, though, like she, mm-hmm. well, she constantly faces her Klingon side, constantly. In Endgame, doesn't she become like a a liaison to the Klingon Empire? Isn't that though in the the, the future bit? Well, yeah, the future that Admiral the uh, Janeway, you know, took from everybody <laughs> We're to save people. everyone but Joe Carey. Oh, yeah, but we've been through this, Suzanne. I don't Joe Carey. <laughs> Listeners, now the cat is kissing a picture of Janeway and Seven of Nine. What is this cat on? I don't on- know because she doesn't like catnip. Honestly. What was? What did I just say? I don't remember. <laughs> Nobody cares about Joe Carey. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how whether we can think of that future as a realistic thing, whether she would become a liaison to the Klingon Empire. Again, it's just something that I w- it would be interesting to see what happens to the characters in episode in things like uh, Lower Decks and Picard. But I mean, it it did happen in an alternate reality, so she further embraced her Klingonness. In that different reality. Oh, I suppose, because it is, it is long in the future, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So things could have happened. And things could happen in a similar format as well. Can you imagine if, like, the things that happened in Picard and Children on Mars never happened if Janeway never changed the future? And they only happened because Janeway changed the future? Now that would be... <sighs> that, is, that is a definite wrong way. <laughs> Or dumb way, seeing as we seem to have introduced that last week. Oh dear, shall we wrap it up, Suzanne? Thank you for tuning in to us. We really appreciate all of you who listen to us talk about Voyager. We would also love it if you subscribed and gave us all of the stars. And leave us a review. Much like the five-star review that we recently got from... Mike B1535. How many stars? Canada. Five. Five stars. Five stars. Oh, that's all of the stars. Thank you, Canada, for providing us all of your stars. Thank you, Mike B1535. Liam, where can we find you online and on the network? Uh, you You can find me on the Twitters at LS74656 and elsewhere on this network hosting... I was gonna, I was gonna say boldly go for some bloody reason. Uh, 
What podcast? Oh, because you podcast? really want to be on it. You know you do. No, what podcast do I do? Oh, you can find me as well on the Vedic Assembly, which is our Deep Space Nine podcast. And what about you? Well, you can also find me on Twitter at kjaneway8 or at stained sass if you want to see some Star Trek related stained glass artwork. And you can find me on the network doing Boldly Go, a Strange New Worlds podcast, which I do with Brandy. And we just had our second episode drop recently. So check it out. So just remember to follow us on Twitter at the Jane underscore way and on the Facebook listeners group, The Nexus. Until next time, remember to keep doing things not the right way, not the wrong way, but the Jane way. Dismiss. That's a Starfleet expression for get out. Okay. Well, so that's where he first. Okay. All right. Let's let's segue back into this. Oh. <laughs> What is? This This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Hollow Sweet Media programs. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview Program for The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. When you look at it now, you're like, oh, there is some stuff in there that it's not been handled delicately right. i think but i think at the time they they handled it yeah. as delicately as they knew how to. exactly you are spot on with that now it's not that you know throughout through all time it was not delicately handled it's just at that time with their understanding they did the best they could they had the best intentions with it kind of like trip yeah absolutely and i don't <laughs> and i don't even think if anyone watched it now and got offended by it i don't think ever the intention was for that i'd like to think anyone could look at it right. and think well actually Let's applaud the show for doing this story when they were, when no one else was doing these yeah. kind of stories. Loading Suite preview program for There Are Four Questions, a Star Trek Spotlight podcast. That felt pretty cool. And that's when I, I really, really started connecting with Star Trek when I was actually here and on, on the level of creator as opposed to fan. So... That was where I started getting, it was like, hey, I could do this. I remember writing, <laughs> I sent this letter to him. I wrote to um, Eric Stilwell before I moved to, to Los Angeles and asked about the the rules for submitting the script and all that stuff. And then I had this idea, never heard back from him. Loading Suite preview program for Ladies Trek Library, women with a passion for Star Trek books. One of the reasons I was excited to read this book was because it's called Uhura's Song. And we don't get a lot of books where Uhura is a main character. Um, And she was my favorite character from the original series. So I was excited to see a book about her. And I and I like how and I was thinking about the uh, the Broadway play Cats because they kind of used cat names that that reminded me of the names in this book. So and and this book was written in '85, so it could have been inspired by Cats in that way. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.